So today we're continuing our sermon series that we began two weeks ago, entitled Lessons from Acts, Being Church in the New Normal. Now, the idea with this series is that we're visiting different stories in the book of Acts, which itself is the story of the earliest Christians, uh, people who, not unlike ourselves, were living in a new normal. Right immediately before the book of Acts, Jesus is with them. He's breathing, he's ministering, he's teaching and preaching, and then, at least physically, he's gone. And here are these followers in the book of Acts that are trying to make sense of how do we live? How do we follow this Jesus when he is no longer here with us, right? Their world has been turned upside down. So we began two Sundays ago with the story from the first chapter of Jesus' ascension into heaven, and we talked about the, the, the place that the disciples' eyes were fixed, right? Initially, they're, they're looking for Jesus up in the clouds, and then these two mysterious figures come, and they say, that's not where you need to be looking. You need to bring your eyesight down to your own level. You need to be searching for Jesus' face in the faces of those around you. You need to have vision. So today we turn to the second chapter and we read this story that we've just heard of the disciples figuring out this new rhythm of life together, right? Do they all keep things for themselves or do they share? How do they live together as a community? And the word that I think we can agree defines this story is the word generous. I think the second lesson for us from the book of Acts about being the church in our new normal is that we must be generous. So I want to start today with a story, a parable really. It's an old one, you may have heard it before. It goes like this, a person is led into this great banquet hall. I mean, huge ceilings and tables spread out everywhere he can see, stacked high with food. Right? We'll tell the southern version of this parable. So there's pimento cheese over here and mashed potatoes and fried chicken and collard greens and green beans, the good kind with the bacon fat in them. I mean, just food everywhere you can see. But there's something unusual about the people standing around these tables. For one thing, in their hands, they're not holding forks and knives, but rather spoons. And not just normal spoons, but these incredibly long spoons. And as the person takes in the faces of those standing around the tables in this great banquet hall, they notice that they don't look healthy. They look gaunt. They look miserable. They look deathly even. And it occurs to the person that, that the reason for their appearance is that those spoons are so long that they're not able to get the food in front of them into their own mouths. The one who has brought the person into this banquet hall gently explains that what is before him is hell. He's then led through set of doors off to the side into another banquet hall, identical to the first. Tables as far as you can see, full of the same delicious hot food. Except there's one 
significant difference, and it's not the spoons. Everyone around the tables in this banquet hall are holding the exact same spoons, but their faces are neither miserable or deathly, but rather joy-filled and healthy. Right? These people are, are laughing, and they're full, and they're singing. And the person takes this in, and then he realizes the difference. The people in the second banquet hall, they're feeding one another with their long spoons. It's a story of generosity and what generosity can do. You know, it's amazing to me when I think of the stories of Jesus, I think of generosity. Right? Jesus isn't just generous with his time or with his teaching or with his praying. He is generous with those things, but he's also generous with food. Over and over, right? I think of Jesus there with the disciples facing the multitudes, 4,000, 5,000 people, and all they have are this meager basket of a few fish and a couple loaves. And the disciples, they think... No way we're going to feed these people. But Jesus, Jesus is just generous, isn't he? For from that meager helping, all are fed. There's enough. I think, too, of the story that we read together just a few weeks ago during Holy Week, the events of Maundy Thursday. Jesus there in the upper room. He's generous in how he serves the disciples by washing their feet, but then he is generous again at the table. Feeding his friends, even the one who would betray him. In the very hour that would soon lead to his arrest and trial and death. Jesus is generous. Even beyond the empty tomb, Jesus is generous. John's gospel, its resurrection story, has the disciples out on a boat fishing one night, but they can't catch anything. And then who is there waiting for them in the morning on the shore? But Jesus, and what has he prepared for them but a meal? Right? Jesus is generous. I can't help but wonder if these earliest Christians, if they did not have these very stories on their hearts and in their minds, as they set off to figure out life and faith in their new normal. Right? That's this story. They share what they have. But the detail that stands out to me are those verses that say they break bread at home and eat their food with glad and generous hearts. Right? Which of the banquet halls does that remind you of? They are joy-filled in their generosity. It is their generosity, we can even say, that leads to their joy. Isn't that amazing? And yet, at the same time, it is so counterintuitive, isn't it? It's counterintuitive in the sense that their instinct, we would think, their instinct, we would think, would be to protect themselves. Right? Remember that the one they are following has just been executed in the most bloody and awful fashion you can imagine in the ancient world. Right? We would expect them to be fearful. 
of what might be waiting for them in this new normal. We would expect them to do what some of us, I think, are tempted to do. I know I am, which is operate from a place of fear. We don't know what's out there. We don't know because of this new normal. We can't rely on our normal expectations, the expectation that, that we will have a job next week, the expectation that our savings will hold out, the expectation that the person who has made a promise to us will follow through on it, right? Our instinct is to say, well, let's see what we have now, and let's protect it. Let's put it off here in this corner and hope that no one sees it, right? That's what we would expect. That's what our instinct often is. And yet here in the example of the early church, we find a story of generosity leading to joy. We find an invitation for people who find themselves in a new normal today to not necessarily follow their instinct of fear and hoarding, but rather to follow the example of Christ and to be generous instead. What are some of the ways you can be generous in this new normal? What are some of the ways we as a church can be generous in this new normal? I want to tell you quickly about an amazing thing that has unfolded in the last two weeks. Just two weeks ago, I was on a call with a group of church members, and, and in that call, an idea popped up. Someone asked, you know, what would it look like for us as a church to help care for our neighbors here in Glen County in a very tangible way, in, in the financial sense? You know, we were talking about how many of our neighbors are facing serious financial hardship. How many of them don't necessarily have employment or fixed incomes anymore and are worrying about rent or mortgage or groceries or child care, right? Very tangible needs. How can we as a church care for our neighbors here in Glen County? And that idea sort of cued off something in me where I started talking about our Deacons Fund, which you might already know about. It's what our Christmas Eve offering goes to support every year. The pastors rely on it to offer emergency financial assistance to anyone who comes to our church throughout the year. And I shared with them, you know, I've been using the Deacons Fund to assist different people who have approached the church with needs in recent weeks. But I wonder if perhaps we could take some of those funds, say $10,000 from the Deacons Fund, and create a, a coronavirus relief fund for our community. Monies, in other words, that are earmarked specifically for anyone who is facing an emergency need as a result of this pandemic. A few hours later, I got a call from a couple in our church who said, we heard about this idea that came up. And we would like to support it. Would it work if we contributed $20,000 more to that fund? Suddenly we went from an idea to $30,000 that our church can just give away to anyone on our island or in our community who has need as a result of this virus. 
I took it to session just last week and I said to them, it's amazing what has happened. We had this idea, now we have $30,000, we just need your approval to do this. And session said, not only do we approve it, but we want to take $20,000 from our church's endowment distribution last year and add it to this fund. So now we have $50,000 that tomorrow we will begin rolling out through leaders in our community to help get the word out to anyone in our community or in our church who has need in these days because they have been furloughed or laid off or seen business evaporate or, or have had to quit or draw back on hours because their children are now home or have been diagnosed and have medical bills for any reason tied to this pandemic. We will write a grant to those individuals or those families in order to try and help, if only a little, meet the needs that they are facing in these days. When we send that message out tomorrow, we're going to invite anyone in our community or beyond who would like to contribute to this fund to do so. Understanding, of course, that not everyone will be able to contribute in the financial sense, but that everyone might be invited to find a place where they can be generous. I picked up my iPad a few minutes ago because I was thinking about an email that I got just this week from uh, the Advancement Department of Montreal Conference Center. I'm on their list, and this is their annual campaign time, and they were inviting uh, people who have given in the past to consider giving to Montreal again. But at the end of this email, the the author notes how the staff have been getting all of these notes. And some of them have checks, and they welcome that. But he said, some of these notes have just simply said, you know, I can't give right now, but I want you to know how much I appreciate Montreal. I want you to know how much I recognize and am grateful for the hard work of you and all the staff at Montreal to keep their mission and ministry going. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And the author reflected what I know I and the rest of our staff have felt as well when we have received those notes of encouragement from so many of you. The author simply reflected back, thank you. Thank you for being generous with your sharing. Know that it has an impact, that it sustains us in this trying time. Right? Generosity can take so many different forms. And it takes me back to that parable, to that story of those two different banquet halls. Right? All of us are holding long spoons in these days. Your long spoon may look a little different than mine, but we all have them in our hands because we're all trying to make sense of this new world together. And there are two options in front of us. One is that we can worry ourselves to death by trying to feed ourselves with those long spoons, knowing that we will never be fully filled. Or we can follow the example of Christ. We can follow the example of these early Christians who had long spoons in their own hands, and we can begin feeding others. We can begin being generous with those around us. It's an invitation in a new normal to follow Christ by going against what might be our initial instinct of fear and protection and instead opening our hands and being generous 
With our monies, yes, but also with our lives, with our words, with our prayers, with our thoughts, with our notes, being generous in every sense of the word. I want to end by telling you a quick story. Really, it's a story that will just recount for you a video I watched earlier today. I'll link it in the email and on the website so you can watch it if you want. A church member sent it to me, uh, and I watched it, and I loved it. So it's kind of a funny video in the sense that it begins with this little boy, seven, eight years old, in his kitchen, and he's packing his backpack with some food and some Gatorade, and his mom comes in and says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going to find God. And his mom says, all right, well, be careful and be home by six for dinner got it. Boy runs out onto a busy street, walks down the sidewalk, checks his watch as he waits for the train by himself. He gets on the train, he goes deep into New York City and finds a public park, and he's exhausted by the time he gets there, and he sees a bench, and he sits down right next to a homeless woman. They exchange smiles, and the little boy reaches into his backpack, and he begins eating his lunch, a Twinkie, a good lunch maybe on one of those tables in the banquet halls too. And he sort of glances over at one point and he sees the woman with this beautiful smile looking at him. And he thinks and he, he goes back and he pulls out the other Twinkie and he hands it to her. And then there's this little montage where they eat their Twinkies together and they have conversation and they laugh. And by the end, he checks his watch and he realizes it's time to go home. And, and they hug each other and he goes home. And when he comes into the kitchen, his mom asks, well, honey, do you find God? And he said, yeah. And he's, God is a woman, mom. And she has the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. And the next scene, the closing scene, is that homeless woman walking down the sidewalk until she finds her friend, another homeless woman. And she has this big smile plastered on her face. And the woman's friend asks her, what are you so happy about? And she says, well, I just met God. And he is way younger than I ever imagined. But he is the kindest, kindest little boy I have ever met. Two people encountering God through an act of generosity. You may have money that you can be generous with in these days. You may have prayers that you can be generous with in these days. You may have food. You may have Twinkies that you can be generous with in these days. Friends, no matter what it is, you can be generous with. Be generous, because it is in our generosity that we may encounter God. Friends, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the world and this new normal, may we be generous people. Amen.